Today on Season 3, Episode 26 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Steediddy himself, Stephen O'Brien of the UK Packers, makes his way from across the pond to the UPB studio. Listen in as we get an in-depth look at his Packers fandom, favorite players past and present, and favorite Packers memory. Bryce and Stephen take a deep dive into the Packers secondary, from coaching to undrafted free agent pickups and everything in between. It's hot outside, Packers fans. Sit down, crank up the AC, and settle in. And now it's time for Steediddy on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Steve Diddy NFL on tap, our latest guest episode featuring Stephen O'Brien of UK Packers. Welcome to the guest studios, and how are you doing, Stephen? Good, Bryce. Steve Diddy NFL, just like Mama named me, huh? I yeah. mean, you know. <laughs> That's your birth name on the birth certificate? That's now? on the birth certificate with the at at the start as well. She was very forward thinking. Is all I was going to say that's progressive. That might be like the new uh, the new wave for 2021. We're just going to do Twitter handles for baby names moving forward. How do you like that? <laughs> well, try find a one that's unique. You know what I mean? Because like <laughs> in my company and work, there's like three people with my name who I keep getting mistaken for. So try come up with a unique Twitter handle or email address. That's who I feel sorry for. Oh, okay. you know the you, kids so you've of the got future. Three at Steediddies uh, in your workforce. Man, that's a popular name. <laughs> Imagine it was. No, unfortunately, it's the Stephen O'Brien. It's the boring one, <laughs> which is why I want to call my kid something like Ryder or Riker or something nice. like that. Solely like because it. he doesn't have to reply to seven emails a day saying, that's not me. That's somebody else. We've said so, this before. Please stop doing that. Some Marvel comic names like Nighthawk and oh, Wolverine. The more, yeah, the more outlandish, the better. Clay from Clay Matthews, you know what I mean? Okay. Even though he's left now. There's some lads who've got caught with that, by the way. Have, is there anybody that you know, uh, Bryce, who've called their kids after Packer players who became disgraced Brett. or who've just left the, left the team? Yeah. Is there yeah. any? Do you know any Bretts? Do you have a buddy called Brett? I don't have any buddies, but I remember growing up where my like dad's friends or like campground buddies uh, had kids, you know, in the 90s. So I was like a teenager and all of mm. them were named Brett. And so Ouch. I don't know the aftermath of what happened if they were still welcomed in the family after Favre <laughs> went on to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Maybe there's a healthy reunion. But yeah, Brett was a super popular name. The interesting thing, too, is Brett was a popular girl's name, too. So I knew a couple Bretts when I went off to college as well. And sure enough, they were named after Brett Favre. Ouch. You see, that's that's the real reason why. That quote of the podcast. Uh, and by the way, we've had a blast in pre-prod, haven't we? I mean, <laughs> we people, think, people think they're getting good co- content here. They're missing out, really. I mean, we should have recorded pre-production um, and released that. Um, but we, we have. We did create a band, didn't we? We did. We want to release to people what the band's name is. Yeah, I think you do it, Steve Diddy. What is the, what is the new band name? So me and Bryce have started a band called Canine Blackmail. Uh, as yet, Bryce can't play any instruments, but I think we're going to go off the strength of the name. Anyway, back yeah. to this name thing. The real reason why Brett Favre, you know, got his jersey retired and number retired and all this type of stuff is not because we kissed and made up, because he deliberately said he went to the Vikes to stick it to the Packers. Am I lying, right? The real reason was there was enough people in Wisconsin with 
kids' offspring <laughs> named Brett. For the sake of them being allowed back at the family reunion, they had to go and make up. I mean, we're releasing facts here, folks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, breaking news. Am I lying? Not no, lying. and little did I know that we would be talking about Brett Favre to uh, start off the introduction, but uh, I'm glad that we can chuckle about him a little bit. I do. Maybe, maybe we'll have you on again. And we can talk about Brett Favre, our true feelings about everything. Because I'm really <laughs> curious. Because I, I, I still, I, I, I go back and forth. I'm mm. happy the way things are, but then there are other things that make me upset. But anyway, I digress a little bit. And you said it best. Uh, we've had a great time connecting and pre-production. Our production and sound engineer are going to have a great time editing this episode because I already feel the energy. And <laughs> as we start off our latest guest episode, you coming from... UK Packers podcast. I'm really curious uh, where that all originated from and give our listeners a taste of uh, what brought you to the idea of creating your own podcast and how it's evolved today. Yeah, so basically the group itself at UK Packers. So we started that seven years ago um, and we were doing it for about two years and then the sort of light bulb moment come on, like we should be doing a podcast because like contrary to popular belief, like for instance, right, people hear this voice um, and that's that's the one thing about your podcast too. Most people will listen to podcasts on like, you know, one times, you know, 1.5 by whatever. They're going to have yeah. to slow this episode down. But we usually consume our uh, <laughs> content um, and contrary to popular belief, because what, what I get as an Irishman is, is, oh, do you understand the rules? Do you know what the offside is? Do you know oh, what the geez. brown ball does? Um, do you know how many players play? Can you name an offensive lineman? I mean, all manners of sort of insulting questions, whereas... Right. What I find is, is that fans over here are hyper knowledgeable um, and that's because we have to consume everything. That, you know, if you read it, uh, if we want to watch a game, we have to stay up late and do it. So it made sense for um, us to start a podcast to, you know, connect like-minded people, to give it a bit of an Irish or a British tilt to that information as well. Because I wrote for NBC26 and TMJ uh, in the States and TMJ4, you know, the one that covers the game day. Yeah. So I would have done sort of a bi-weekly article for them. And the number one comment that I got when I wrote articles for them was, is that, oh, this is a different perspective. You know, this is not something that we've heard about in the news. What you'll find is, is that the news in Wisconsin sort of leans a certain way. The talking points on yep. certain things lean a certain way. So if someone's talking about Darnell Savage, well, then everybody's talking about Darnell yeah. Savage. <laughs> uh, you know, and then Aaron Rodgers does, especially the off-season, like, I mean, you see it doing content, so do I. The talking points and stuff that are in the news, everyone just regurgitates the same yep. kind of stuff. So for us, there's, there's naturally that little bit of difference um, and we consume an awful lot of information. So the brainchild for the podcast was to kind of get all of that stuff together because unlike... You know, just a normal Packers leading um, group or whatever. You know, we're a fan group. So before us, me included, I was sitting in my living room. I was watching the Packers play. Aaron Rodgers would throw a Hail Mary, which is one of every six plays that he did back in the day. <laughs> and uh, you'd be jumping up and down and you'd be waking the, the the wife up or the dog or whatever. And both would show equal interest in what just happened. So it's good to have the fan group and to have the Twitter accounts and Instagrams and now the podcast, which has been going for about five years now, to bring all of that together. Also, when you have players on, like I've had Kenny Clark on, I'm dropping names here, they fallen all over the floor. Uh, Leroy Butler, like yourself, <laughs> <laughs> the grave digger we've had on Mason Crosby nice. we've had him on a couple of times to the point where if I have another child he's going to be godfather um, oh, so nice. <laughs> uh, he doesn't know that yet but um, again more breaking news on the Unknown Parks podcast um, so it's nice to have these guys on as well and give sort of um, people on this side of the pond 
access the players and to hear their side of things as well. And I, what I find is, what's fun about the podcast is when I've Mason Crosby on or anybody else, I feel like they're not as on guard as well because they say something in the States and all of a sudden seven beat writers are writing about yeah. how he doesn't agree with whatever. Whereas over here, um, they probably feel like I'm not out for the scoop. And that's yeah. one of the things that I say to the players is that I'm not sort of out for that scoop again. So to answer your question in 15 minutes as to why the, the, <laughs> the podcast started uh, and the group started really, you know, it's because of that. I love it. And you were featured on Packers Life, which is a 22-minute video that the Packers did. And give us a little, I mean, us talking so far, we, you know, we talked about an hour before the episode is recording and now <laughs> as we're recording, uh, what you see is what you get. Like, so in Packers Life, you know, I got a chance to watch you and then now talking to you, I'm like, oh man, this is, you know, you're your authentic self, which mm. I love and I gravitate towards. So I, for people that may have not seen Packers Life, can you give a little snapshot of that? And then also how that all worked out, like how that came to be. Like I've often thought about doing a full podcast episode just on how weird that yeah. whole experience was. So basically Packers Life was a series that they were doing on sort of, I dare say notable people. We're notable because we're weird, probably, right? The fact that we're in Ireland and England, they, they find that weird, not that we're in any way celebrities. Um, so, you know, they were going to do an episode on Harry Styles, but, uh, you know, Harry Styles is Harry Styles, for God's sake. And they've done loads of really cool episodes and some really cool, unique people. And we fell into that category solely because of where we were. So what it is, is it's about a half an hour, including ads, um, episode about how the group got started and what we do. And there was actually two episodes. There was another one, that one was called... Uh, Packerland across the pond and then there was a pilgrimage to Packerland as well oh, where okay. we brought people over and it was sort of pivoted around two people that are within the tour but it's a perfect sort of representation of you know what fans experience when they come on a tour that we do but yeah it was gas so they, they sent over it's an official Packers documentary if they go to ukpackers.co.uk on the face of the website the minute you go to the homepage you'll see links to it yeah. and you can check it out um, but Bryce that was a pure weird experience so they did the usual like it was reality TV TV. So like they, I play five-a-side soccer. So they came down to my five-a-side thing and filmed me and the lads playing soccer. The lad tackled extra hard uh, because <laughs> it was, there was a camera crew there. I felt like a Kardashian, let's say. Um, you know, I was climbing mountains with them here in Ireland. I was petting sheep. So they were sort of, they were getting to the whole <laughs> oh, thing of like how good. we became our fan and everything else. So if anyone wants to kind of know even more in depth in this podcast, which is probably <laughs> going to be about three hours long, um, oh. is that... Uh, it's, it's that sort of thing. But part of it was, and me being an Irishman, like Sigmund Freud once said, you can psychoanalyze everybody but the Irish, right? We kind of, hopefully, apart from Bono, we don't get on our high horse. Um, we're very sort of down to earth. So how weird was it that, the, and the, the guy filming it, uh, a bit of sort of background info, he is a director in his own right. And uh, if anyone watched Game of Thrones and you have Amelia Clark, who's been in a bunch of other stuff, yeah. be right before he did the Packers Life, this is an exclusive as well, right before he did the Packers Life episode, um, he was filming his own movie that was independently funded with Amelia Clark as the main character. And now wow. he was in Ireland filming this nobody, this Paddy. <laughs> and I was saying to him, I'm sorry how your career trajectory is going right now. Um, but like, you know, he was humble about it and stuff like that and probably cursing me when he went back to his hotel room. But anyway, uh, so it was me walking up the street getting filmed by a guy and all people going by thinking I was famous. So I got to be slightly famous for a day, uh, which was kind of cool. So yeah, it's a really fun episode. And, and one to watch as well as that Packer, you know, where we go to um, Lambeau in the experience again. And actually, that was my first Packers game uh, in Lambeau Field because we started the tours 
the year before, but I didn't get to go because I was buying a house. And the bank said, you go and you spend loads of money, you don't get the house. <laughs> so wow, I was like, okay. mm, you know what I mean? I have to pick real life for, you know, supporting the bankers. Um, so yeah, it was a really fun episode, but it's, it's basically just kind of about how the group um, got started and everything else. It has loads of English accents in it, loads of Irish accents in it. So if that's your thing, this episode plus <laughs> this podcast episode is a good companion to go for. Ever had that experience, Bryce, yourself? Ever been sort of doing any sort of movie work or film work or anything like that? Say that again? Have you done anything like that before? Have you been followed up sort of, you know, a Detroit street with a cameraman tracking uh, back? Not a cameraman, but I was interviewed and featured in New York Times uh, last fall for like the sign language interpreting work that I do with the Milwaukee mm. Bucks. And that was a surreal experience, especially after... You know, I had no idea if the interview was going to happen, if it was going to get yeah. published and where it was going to be. But as you know, you've got a photographer and then a reporter journalist following you throughout Pfizer Forum at, you know, where the Bucks play. You have all mm. these people like, oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the owner's uh, nephew. I heard that he's a, you know, a big wig. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, like, you guys have no effing <laughs> clue what's going on right now. And yeah. then um, so I I. It was, everyone's like, that must have been a great experience. I was a nervous wreck because mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know what the Bucks were thinking. Um, but yeah, for about a day or so afterwards, you know, I'd go back into Pfizer form and they're like, oh yeah, you're, you're so-and-so. And I'm like, no, I'm not that person, but uh, I'm, I'm the sign language interpreter. And they're like, oh, are yeah. you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But nothing, nothing to that extent where, um, and I actually reached out to the Packers too about doing some sign language interpreting, but I'll mm. uh, I'll save that. That'll be a that'll be post production conversation with myself and uh, Steediddy. But I want to highlight before we go into our fan questions the the traveling that you guys do to Lambeau Field. How many years have you been doing that, and how does COVID play into that? Obviously. Yeah, I think it's about six years now. So I've only missed one year um, doing it. And again, like I know uh, one of your regular fan questions is kind of favorite memories and not yeah. to jump ahead on you, but like that sort of fits <laughs> my uh, favorite memory and that kind of thing. Yeah, we've been doing it five or six years um, in different guises. So, uh, you know, I've been in the nosebleed seats. I've been down yeah. by the thing, but it's, it's very disruptive now with COVID, especially the announcement that's after coming out saying that, you know, fans are not going to be allowed. It's a work in progress. We're mm -hmm. still running our tour this year. And we're still telling people on our podcast if they're interested to um, contact our tour provider. I'm not going to give out the details on yours. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're still sort of trying to plan ahead. But again, I'm going to have a sit down with the guy who runs the tours and just sort of approach that because... As you know from, you know, Lambo games and everything else, yeah. it's all about the community spirit. You're sitting yeah. on bleacher seats. It's super authentic. You cannot mm -hmm. avoid people. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be devastating. But again, not to be sort of, you know, to put kind of a, a somber tone over it. But what I worry about, and I know you're a big Packers history nut, the same as I have, and we've sort of detailed on our podcast in the past about how the Packers had to be rescued so many times. How concerning is it, whatever about our tour, about the local businesses around Green Bay and even the yeah. team itself, which is why Bob Harlan did the job that he did to sort of open up the conference centers and all this kind of thing within Lambeau and have the restaurant there. It's pretty devastating for the team as well. Um, and it, I don't know, like from what I see in the news from America, it's pretty split down the middle as to what people think should be going on. Some people are saying herd mentality, get out there and get it. Other people yep. are saying, well, back into quarantine we go. But it's not going to be a normal season, Bryce, is it? That's for sure. True. It's divisive. It's political here, unfortunately. I, th you know, being a season ticket holder, we were, you know, we were contacted about like the new 
approaches mm. with, you know, social distancing, you know, less fans, uh, they'll have some sort of threshold for capacity and then also face masks. The face mask thing is going to be very divisive. I, I, I have a feeling fans will probably not go because of that. Yeah. But like you said, the community aspect, I, I grew up in Appleton about 45 minutes north or uh, south of Green Bay. And Green Bay is my life. You know, I grew up a yeah. Packers fan. I was born a Packers fan. In utero, my dad, you know, was telling me different <laughs> statistics of, you know, all this stuff. And so the thing that pains me as well, uh, when we talked, to, you mentioned uh, Leroy Butler, is that's the thing that he, you know, mentioned was these businesses, um, mm-hmm. the community, it all thrives off of Lambo and the Green Bay Packers. And now with not having training camp and the yeah. bicycle rides, it's the the new normal and we're in this i don't know we're in this limbo of like is this just a phase or are is this what we have to expect so it pains me it breaks my heart not only to think about uh what the season could be like but also uh the economic toll that uh green mm-hmm. bay will face yeah no it's bonkers yeah it's uh as you said the new normal sure even the you know, the partnership that they had with St. Norbert's and now yeah. uh, Mark Murphy yeah. came out on his take five and said that they sort of have to compensate St. Norbert's even because oh, of the really? money that they're losing too. So yeah, it's because um, we all know, especially over here in Ireland and the UK, um, which is a different thing, by the way, uh, education. Um, so it's the <laughs> the problem here is, is that uh, we see the big business of the NFL with the sense that, you know, we can get some really poor games that come to Wembley Stadium in London mm-hmm. with the International Series, which I know is it's sort of a derisive and divisive thing over in the States. Some people say that we shouldn't be getting any games at all. So it all comes down to big money. But really mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, which is what is so unique, which is what I love about the place, it's all small businesses and yeah. everybody's a Packers fan. And it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, everyone's dressed head to tone Packers stuff. So mm-hmm. it's pretty devastating there. Um, but anyway, happy thoughts. What can we talk about? That's good. <laughs> we're going to do a quick little uh, pivot. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to know a little bit more about how you became a Packers fan. You talk a little bit about, or you highlight it. I'm not going to go into detail with it mm. on Packers life, but again, how did you become, how did Steve Diddy NFL, Stephen O'Brien, the sixth Stephen at your <laughs> office, how did you become a Packers fan? Well, it sort of, it happened slowly and quickly all at the same time. Um, let me detail it in, in a 15 minute. No, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> um, so over here, kind of the Super Bowl is on the free to air stations. So what I always say and what has been robbed by numerous journalists since is that uh, the Super Bowl here is kind of like a gateway drug to the NFL. So you start watching it and you think, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. I might want some more of that. <laughs> uh, you get sort of uh, annoyed by the adverts and everything else. And then you have all of your mates sort of giving out to you saying, oh, that's rubbish, you know, because we have sort of native Irish sports here like Gaelic football and hurling and if you haven't seen those pause the podcast but do come back and go to YouTube and look up hurling and then swiftly come back and say yes Steve you're dead right that is absolutely (laughs) class hurling is amazing Um, so there's all of these sports so I started watching Super Bowls and then I went to college and I had a mate called Pete who was from Belfast um, and he said to me one time he said here Steve we're, we're good buddies. And he said, here, do you want to come back to the dorm? We hang out. I said, yeah, cool. Went back to his dorm. He said, hey, uh, I've got some things I want you to try on. I thought, Pete, this is getting really weird, buddy. Uh, but it turned out <laughs> to just be an American football helmet and pads. So I was like, fine, okay. So then he he sort of introduced me to American football properly. 
the ins and outs of wearing pads. He asked me to watch a video called Heads Up, which was just sort of the brutal injuries. And I was like, Jesus, how do people get away with playing this sport? It's insane. And he said, here, look, do you want to run some routes? So we went out to the field in UCD and I ran some routes because he was the quarterback for the UCD team. So then he said to me, I think you should really get into it properly. None of the Super Bowl stuff and pick a team so you've got a vested interest um, and, you know, you'll be on your way. I said, fine. So when I sat down, Bryce, to look at all of these teams, Everything started to make sense. The Philadelphia Eagles, it's Eagles. Great. The Chicago Bears, it's a bear. That's great. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, again, another bird. But when you see the Packers, you're kind of, it doesn't instantly sort of scream <laughs> nature or make sense. So when you start to look into it, you're like, okay. So the, the beauty about this and this interaction that we're having is, is that we're both Packers nuts. We're both on Packers podcast. I don't need to explain the majesty that is the Green Bay Packers, but when mm-hmm. you find out as a wee lad in Ireland that it's community owned, uh, the the depth of history that they've had between Curly Lambeau, um, Don Hudson, uh, Johnny Blood McNally, who was a, a red-blooded Irishman, um, you know, <laughs> Cur- Cur- uh, Vince Lombardi, and it goes all the way up Bart Starr, and all of these famous names, Brett Favre, all the way up Taron Rodgers. So when you start to really delve into it, and then you see the community spirit in Wisconsin, Wisconsin's very like Ireland, it's green and full of cheese and cows and big drinkers <laughs> and everything else. So it started to sort of fit together a little bit, and that's only deepened then by the play on the field uh, recently and in the past and then when you go to Green Bay then you're hooked there has been many of an occasion where I ran a group tour over to Green Bay and someone has brought their partner who is a different a fan of a different team but you find them decked head to toe leaving on the plane because they're a converted Packers fan that happens all the time Um, so yeah that's how it sort of started to become a Packers fan and then of course I had an interest in sort of journalism outside the finance side of things. And I started writing for different sort of publications, NFL Ireland being one of them. There was a website called Second City Fanatics. So blending all of that together came, brought me to UK Packers um, just as it started, kind of as just kind of a, a Twitter account. And then it sort of, you know, propelled from there forward where we had a website with dedicated articles and now into sort of the broadcast media side of things as well um so yeah i'm deep in it now i mean i own every sort of item of packers clothing the office and podcast studio i'm sitting in is decked head to toe like yourself and it's a real labor of love i love it i got goosebumps there for oh and as we move on to our second guest question you touched on it a little bit but i i'm really curious you can share your favorite Packers memory at Lambeau and also possibly your favorite Packers memory while watching it on TV. Yeah, like, I mean, TV is kind of, you know, when you see the Super Bowls and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's the the easy and the obvious answer. But loads of stuff stands out to me, like the re, especially over here because it's the late night Hail Marys. You know, it's yeah. that sort of, it's it's primetime game. It's the fake spike against Miami. I don't know how many yeah. years ago now. Um, you know, it's that, but the, the best memories. ago? Yeah, I know. It's it, but it yeah. still stands out as amazing. You know what I mean? You try yeah. to put that memory in in place of that NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. You try to shove as many as those great plays in as opposed yeah. to that one. Um, but the, the best moments for me have always been at Lambeau Field. So the first year that I went was when I had the camera crew and there was the surrealness of that whole thing. Um, and seeing Lambeau for the first time and coming out of the sort of what looks like a housing estate. And then the, you see the stadium sort of loom large in front of you, um, which was fantastic. I wouldn't mind. I was driving a, I was driving in America for the first time ever. And I was driving the tour bus uh, to boot, which was like I had, I was responsible for lives in the back. I was white knuckling it um, up the motorway. And to just see the stadium took all of that angst away, which was fantastic. Um, so, you know, and then there's the sort of player meets over there. But Bryce, I've been to... 
every sort of uh, guise that there have been. I've met Jerry Kramer in a private signing. We went in, I got to wear his Super Bowl ring, which is absolutely Very incredible. Cool. I made him laugh with a Lombardi joke. So really? uh, there was, yeah, there was a girl, she went to the restroom and then like we had a limited amount of time and we were there and we're having to take pictures and um, we were waiting for her to come back and everyone was in position to get the photo taken. We had the UK Packers flag out. I was wearing his ring. I had my hand on his back, just a giant of a man. And she still wasn't out yet. And I said, oh, she doesn't run on Lombardi time anyway. And he just burst out in this big really? belly laugh. And I was like, well, I can die happy now. Uh, sort of stuff. You know, I've had seats. Uh, the last year was sort of nosebleed seats, which were incredible because we played the Raiders and we trounced them. Yeah. Um, I've been at opening game against the Seahawks. I've got sunburned same. in Lambeau, which not many people can say. I was um, at that same game, yeah. A, incredible game as well. What an atmosphere, yeah. especially because that's when the Seahawks were still sort of at the sort of tail end of that Legion yep. of Boom and the dominance. Right. Um, I, I've been in the press box, which is really sobering, um, and I would probably never do it again because no cheering, the, the sound is pumped in, which is just oh, the calm. interesting. So you're hanging out. The free food is amazing and the, the talk to the journalist is, is class and to sit there and cover the game. But at the same time, it's the most sober thing you can do. Um, <laughs> I've been in a private box as well, uh, which was incredible, great seats. But again, it's it's like what I say to people, they ask me all the time, you know, what's the best seat? And Because uh, when we go over to like, will I upgrade my seats? Will I not do it? I said, you don't have to do whatever you want. I've been in the best seat in the house. I've been in air quotes, the worst seat in the house. And they've all been exactly the same. But when you're yeah. shoulder to shoulder with someone in Lambo on the bleachers, even on a snow game, which the snow started to take over and I went a nice shade of blue, um, Detroit blue. Um, it was still an amazing experience uh, to be there. So, and that's what I say to people as well, whether you're a first timer, or whether you're gone for the 10th or 20th time. And there are people, veterans that come over with us when we do the tours. It's goosebump stuff, uh, stuff yeah. every time. So you ask me this question in a year's time after I've been to Lambo again, and I guarantee I'll tell you the last time I went to Lambo was one of my best experiences. And if anyone hasn't done it, they have to go and do it. And there's no excuse if you're in America, you have to go because we travel all the way from London or Dublin or all parts of the UK all the way over to Lambeau to see a game. Um, and even if you want to coordinate it, that you come to the same game that we're going to and have an absolute blast, by all means do it. But the best experience you can have of the green and gold, in my opinion, and hopefully you feel the same way, Bryce. I don't know if you, have you answered these fan questions on your podcast yet? Because I think you should. Uh, well, it's been discussed. We we highlighted it briefly um, right before the draft on getting to know us on tap where we talked mm. about it a little bit. But like you said, didn't go into detail about season tickets and, and games and all that stuff. But that's actually a really great idea. Well, here's the idea. I guest host your podcast by interviewing you on your own podcast. Let me just put it all right. out there. If I let you get a word in edgeways. Is all I, I, I love it. I love it. So uh, we've got canine blackmail. I think the other <laughs> word is goosebumps because I've had literal goosebumps every time you mention Lambeau Field. And we'll do this. You come on and ask me questions. I love it. Set the date. Set the date. You got it. And then also, too, I'd love to coordinate something with Lambeau. Possibly, mm. probably not 2020, but uh, 2021 or anything like that. I go to a handful games every year, and my wife, not being a huge football fan, loves going to Lambeau. So uh, yeah. for all those that are like, ah, I don't know if uh, so-and-so will like it, Lambeau just, it takes a hold of you. It's I, I tell people I have no responsibility for my behavior, and I've got no wherewithal with my behavior because it's an out-of-body experience. <laughs> I just, I gravitate towards it. I just let oh, yeah. Lambeau take me and and whatever happens happens and then i wake up the next day and go wow that was a roller coaster and uh, i can't move and my back hurts and I, I i long for those and we'll see what happens uh this fall i'm um I, i'm optimistic 
but I would love to to coordinate something unknown Packers podcast UK and Irish Packers uh, podcast a little get together maybe get some other podcasts there podcast it's unfolding well. live it's all unfolding live on the podcast people are seeing the bromance start to ignite it's incredible yeah it's incredible. Well, we were talking about like the 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 pre-production they're, they're really getting just you know the whole smorgasbord right now i'm not i'm not mm. holding back for the next three and a half hours that we do this episode <laughs> i'm just it's going to be organic and i'm you know the first two questions I, i've got goosebumps and I'm really curious with the last guest question of Steve Diddy NFL on tap for the first half is uh, who are your favorite current and also past Green Bay Packers players? And again, I'll try to keep it short to at least two hours. Um, so okay. my favorite, you know what? It, <laughs> my favorite current Packers fan is a difficult one. And you might have this sort of um, condition as well, where when you cover the Packers, you tend to see them more objectively. So, yep. you know, in days gone by, I would have said Clay Matthews or someone of that ilk, you know, but when I look at the players now, it's so much more uh, objective and go, oh, well, I like him because when you look behind the, you know, all of the figures and stats, but one of the people, if I want to start with the past one first, because this is my all-time favorite NFL player, and I think we're allowed to have a couple from a different team that we like to go to, um, but this would be my guy who, he's the best player pound for pound, as they say for boxers, is Don Hudson. Um yes. And I'm not sure if you have him before, but two weeks ago I did a podcast all about Don Hudson because I like to focus on kind of the all-timey players. Um, but, you know, this guy's story is fascinating anyway. The, the Alabama, what do they call him? Antelope? The Alabama Antelope? <laughs> you know, a guy who was sort of a straight-laced guy who could sort of take the, you know, you know what, Eddie. Um, he was one of the lads. Uh, but really, for him, his story is fascinating from start to finish. His stats are ridiculous. And the fact that someone stood for so long when he hung up his boots in 1945 is fascinating to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where he signed two contracts, one with the Brooklyn Dodgers and put it in, uh, and the one for the Packers arrived 11 minutes before. The fact he was paid so much money by Curly Lambeau, that was just unheard of for pro sports. Because remember, Jerry Kramer talks about it in his book, Instant Replay, about how NFL players weren't really respected. No one saw it as a proper job. If you were an NFL player or an American football player back then, uh, that, you know, your parents would almost disown you, like, this is a terrible (laughs) profession. Why don't you become a doctor like everybody else? Um, So... Don Hudson was playing it and getting a colossal amount of money back in the time. The fact that the announcer had talked before his first game to write him off and say what a massive mistake Lambeau had made and he catches a touchdown for 83 yards in his first catch. The fact that I think it's one of every five catches is a touchdown. And really, like people have to realize for Don Hudson was that it wasn't a forward passing game when he was playing, yet his stats stood up. Now, that's an awful lot to do with the quarterback at the time, Arnie Herber, and how good he was, but we'll sort of set that aside to like the post-production. Um, for, <laughs> for this guy, he basically single-handedly invented the route tree because no one was really, as a wideout, was running these routes um, that he was running. He basically invented the modern game and he doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. Um, people might be intrigued yeah. of him because his number and his name is retired and it's up on sort of the, the ring up on Lambeau Field or whatever, but more people from different teams should know what he was. There's people listening to this podcast most likely who will have watched the game of the Seahawks player that broke his touchdown record, for instance. So that goes to show how long his legacy has lasted even to this day. And he's an absolute favorite of mine. Um, Current player, I want to pick Zadarius Smith just because of the impact that he's had instantly, how much reminiscent he is of, you know, a Reggie. Yeah. that he's he's a leader in the locker room. For me as well, that he takes accountability and that if it's a bad game and we get ran all over, he'll come out in the media and blame himself, which is very noble. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a good thing to live.
live by. But the player that I'm going to pick, and I won't wax too lyrical about him, is Devontae Adams. Now, seems like an obvious one, right? He's a superstar wide out. Yeah. Um, he's the obvious choice. Why I like him so much is, is that he's. it's fascinating to see that, A, he carries the team on his own um, in a way, right? I'm not going to get too down on that because I've done so many podcasts about how I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers picks on him too much or all of that kind of thing and you know the value that the other wide receivers have behind him but why I like him so much is is that he's a point of focus and he's so consistently good but that's not the way his career was set up the trajectory if people remember for his career that they wrote him off as a drop merchant they they lambasted him as a failure there was all of these gifts and tweets and memes and everything else of that there was the puppy I always refer to where they throw this little dog a ball and the dog drops it and falls to the ground very dramatically almost like a human and they sort of every time they talk about Devontae Adams they wrote him off not knowing to look behind why that performance was what it was and that he was carrying ankle injuries and everything else. He stuck with his craft, worked on his craft and became the focal point and the main go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers and his stats and his completion percentages when thrown at. uh, His footwork is criminal. Um, If you were locking anybody up for footwork, Devontae (laughs) Adams, you know, he makes uh, Ocho Cinco cry uh, with the footwork. (laughs) And he kind of, it stands out to me as a lesson to people to when you look at MVS and you look at ESB and you look at all of these young guys and you write them off and say that they never lived up to their potential or, oh, this is a make or break year. Look at what happened with Devontae Adams. Now, I'm not saying these guys are in the same caliber yet or that they should be hyped or touted the same way as we are with Alan Lazard and I am personally as well. But it just goes to show that, you know, no matter what's going on in your life and you're being written off by everybody, to rise to the top like Devontae Adams has and to be such a damn good, nice guy and a great family man and just an all-round beautiful human being, um, he's my favourite currently just by what he's been through and what he's become. Whew. Talk about knocking it out of the park with these guest <laughs> questions. Goosebump City is what I'm experiencing right now. And and I'll be, I'll be completely honest right now. And it pains me. I, I was one of those people that was really, really hard on Devontae Adams. Mm. Um, you know, I go to training camp every year, or I did uh, go to training camp every year. And him being yeah. a second-round draft pick, I was very hard on him. Also, this was pre-podcast Bryce. This was reckless <laughs> abandonment Bryce that we talked about in the pre-production. Whereas now, just being way more invested, more holistic, can look at the business side of things, can look at like the application side of things. And Devonte Adams is definitely one of my favorite players now too, because it's a reminder for me of how quickly people can jump to assumptions and how quickly yeah. people can write people off. And that's what's going on in this day and age currently is that we we jump to conclusions. And so for me, it's a reminder of taking a step back and you know, being grounded and analyzing situations and allowing things to come into fruition. But I'm glad that you mentioned that. And it puts a smile on my face every single time. Devontae Adams, that footwork, that release, the separation that he creates, I can watch his highlights day in, day out. Mm. I got to say, it's going to hurt. It's going to pain people to hear this, but got to say one of the best guest questions uh, and answers so far with the Unknown Packers podcast. We're going to take a quick commercial break with Steve Diddy NFL on tap. We'll be right back with the second half. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation. 
Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And we are back with the second half of Steve Diddy NFL on tap featuring Stephen O'Brien of the UK Packers. The first half we talked about his podcast, his his appearance on Packers life, his his experiences at Lambeau Field, his favorite Packers current and past, and how so also how he became a Packers fan. Now we're going to talk about the current situation of the Green Bay Packers and most specifically the secondary with the recent hiring of Jerry Gray, former defensive backs coach of the Minnesota Vikings. He spent six years there as the next defensive backs coach for Mike Pettin and the Green Bay Packers. What do you feel that he brings to the table? Because for me, I don't feel like we're talking about it enough. I think this is the sneaky acquisition that no one's really talking about. When You know, the big splashes of last year with the Fab Four with Zadarius Preston, Billy Turner, and Adrian Amos, I feel like the big splash this year was bringing in Jerry Gray to boost the secondary. So what what are your thoughts on what he brings to the table? It's just, it's as you said, it's so much. It's multifaceted, really. The number one thing that stands out, uh, well, it's, it's hard to boil it down to one thing, but Jerry Gray, for me, the fact that, you know, it's good that we got to hear him, uh, first off, that he did that yeah. interview with the media so we could really get a feel for the guy and sort of what his mindset is. It's the caliber that he comes with. The fact that uh, you just look at the DBs that he's had and taught and cultivated and how many Pro Bowls they've went to, how many All-Pro selections they have. Uh, the two obvious ones obviously being Harrison Smith, who has been a world beater now for a very long time, albeit probably on the back end of his career. Xavier Rhodes, who he had as well. Yeah. But the fact that Jerry Gray should make Mike Petton's life an awful lot easier in the sense that he's held defensive coordinator positions. Yeah. So he knows what's expected of him in his current role now. Um, adding to that, that he was a superstar player um, in his day, um, first round draft pick, pro bowler. Um, so he knows what it is to come down with the ball. He knows what it is to sort of have that expectation on you. He knows what it is to perform under that expectation. And like we've seen in most sports, you can be a dynamite player, in your own right and then go on to coaching and it doesn't work out because you have unrealistic expectations for people that come in sort of underneath you and that you're coaching because they might not have the natural ability that you had and you kind of you start to get frustrated with that and you start to get annoyed at people and you don't coach properly that doesn't seem to be the case with Jerry Gray now do we have a large sample size of what he's going to be like watching with, working with his coaching staff we've none whatsoever um, but just by the way Mike Petten seems to operate by how Jerry's operated in his own right and just how many superstar players that he's had underneath him. But one thing stood out for me when he spoke to the media and that one thing was is he name-dropped the players and he shortened their names as well but shows that he's on already to me and I'm a body language expert as we all know in the UK for anyone who listens to the UK Packers <laughs> podcast. I like that sort of familiarity but one of the main things that he said was is that A, what he could do with Jair Alexander and with Kevin King and, and he, he named up Jair Alexander specifically 
And I can get on to maybe later as to why I think that is. But um, the fact that he said that I will teach the guys if they want to be the highest paid player, I can get them there. If they want to be a pro ball player, yeah. I can get them there. He obviously doesn't mention the Super Bowl because that'd be silly, right? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, that takes an awful lot of machinery to get there. But the fact is, is he says, if they want to listen, I, I can give them all of that. So again, he's making the players already take responsibility for their career and their performance. And if they're hungry, well, then he's going to teach them. Get that attitude and couple that with the the sort of the locker room atmosphere that Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith um, have cultivated in that place. And you have people standing up and taking ownership and responsibility. It could be absolutely dynamite. And the fact that we've seen Kevin King hit one of his healthiest years, albeit there's questions there around uh, contract and will he be in Green Bay for the long term and all of that stuff aside, is that hopefully we'll get to see himself on Gio Alexander under Gray's stewardship. And if they stay healthy, we could see, I say this with COVID looming in the back of my mind and thinking Steve, stop getting carried away with yourself. But, you know, it could be a match made in heaven here with this guy. And really for me, Bryce, his his caliber and his experience just stand out on their own and he matches it with his words. I love it. And you mentioned the players that he's worked with. Here here are some players just to name off. He had Samari Roll and Blaine Bishop Mm. in Tennessee. Yeah. He had Nate Clements and Antoine Winfield in Buffalo. Then he had Sean Taylor, D'Angelo Hall, and Troy Vincent in Washington. He's mm. not stopping there. He had Earl <laughs> Thomas, Richard Sherman, and Cam Chancellor in Seattle. And then most recently, like you mentioned, Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith. He's worked with them all. And so when you said you know, he can coach them up if they want it, Kevin King and Jair Alexander seem to be those types of quote-unquote grinders, if you will. They always mm. want to get better. You mentioned Mike Pettin, too, uh, it looks like Pettin had his eye on him from the get-go. They spoke at the Pro Bowl, yeah. and Pettin walked away saying, I think this is our guy. They interviewed him and a couple others, and Jerry Gray became the new DB's coach. And you mentioned Kevin King and Jair Alexander, and these are the next focal points that we're going to go into in our second half of Steve Diddy NFL on tap. And Kevin King, like you said, out of, pos- out of the possible 32 games, Kevin mm-hmm. King would only appear in 15 of them with 11 starts. Last season, King would appear in 15 games, including 14 starts, and played in over 77% of the Packers' total defensive snaps. The second most among cornerbacks was behind Jair Alexander. And King, you know, he had an up-and-down season, if you will, at 2019, You, but you started to see some glimpses. Played in 15 games, led the team with five interceptions, and again, you look at his length, his size, his physicality, that short area quickness, and also his ball skills. I think Pro Football Focus ranked him as the best red zone cover man. Yeah. And But the biggest thing is, can he stay healthy? I think it bodes well. Like you said, though, we have COVID in the in the background saying, hey, I'm still here. But with him being a, in a contract year, the acquisition of Jerry Gray, do you think he takes another next step? Looking at Kevin King, looking at the tape, granted, when he gets burned, he gets burned on explosive plays. Mm. Um, there are definitely some explosive plays that he, quote-unquote, got burned on, but he was actually just covering another missed assignment, so people will just point the finger at Kevin King on that. Mm. But make no mistake, he has diff- he's, he, the blemishes are that he gives up explosive plays. But he, I don't know, he, he flips the, the coin on this with just how unique skill set he has with that size, that short area quickness, you don't have a corner like that around in the league, I think. 
But the biggest thing is, can he stay healthy? What do you think uh, realistically going now? This is saying that the Packers play 16 games, mm. that everything goes according to plan. So just, you know, get that in your mindset right now. But where do you look at Kevin King and what he can do in a contract year? Well, the sky's the limit for King, I think, um, in the sense that. The, like offense tends to be you can work with your quarterback so if you're a good wide receiver you can and you can beat coverage you fast footwork well then it's just you and one other guy defense as we all know is very systematic um, and it's very uh, interdependent so because we have that pressure up front now with Zadarius and Preston Smith, um, you can sometimes give up explosive plays simply because the play breaks down, the quarterback takes a wild shot that he wouldn't normally take, and then you end up getting burned by it. But yeah. I like him, as you said, because of his size as well. He could be a natural deterrent just looking down the field and to see yeah. that range he height. <laughs> and the really reassuring thing about him is, is that he's come into his own in man coverage. Um, which is pretty unique for a guy of his size. You'd expect he'd be good zonally. He'd be good at slapping the ball down and pass breakups, uh, getting a few interceptions. Um, and he dropped a couple as well. But PFF have him down as one of the best cornerbacks in man coverage. And again, his year will depend on, as you say, injuries. And the concerning thing with him over the years was is he came into the league with a shoulder injury. He's had other injuries apart from the shoulder injury, which... Some people say it's a good thing because if you're not re-aggravating the same injury, well, then you're like, oh, well, at least he's not doing his shoulder in and he's a limited shelf life for that. But then it's concerning because they're like, well, it comes into durability. I mean, if everywhere else is getting injured, you really don't know what you get with this guy because, as you said, 15 of 32 games in his first two seasons. So if he can stay healthy and keep working on his man coverage, we have on the opposite side, we've Jair Alexander, a guy who is fantastic in zone coverage. And that's the reason why Jerry Gray is mentioned in Jair, yeah. is because to be good in zone coverage requires a high football IQ. So if you have a guy like Jair roaming the field, and again, Jair makes silly mistakes. He body slams people WWE style into the ground <laughs> on occasion. Um so he has these faults, uh, but he's, he's tenacious. Um, and as well as that, we've added some new blood. We've added some new talent there as well. People are expecting Roshan Gary to show up and, and make yep. some splash plays up front. So if we have that pressure up front, we could have a fantastic partnership behind. But really, Bryce, what it comes down to is, is, is the season going to be played in entirety? What is, yes. like, what is the outcome if he gets injured? I mean, is he cheap then? And do we bring him back as he's cheap or do we shy away because... Uh, you know, how much he would still command in a salary and that we can't depend on him. If he gets injured, who steps up? And does that person who steps up mean that we can show King the door And in the sense of, you know, this guy's doing a fantastic job and I know we we all have people in the back of our head of who you think that's going to be. So right. we really don't, I, I think we can't answer that question with Kevin King because we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, aren't we really? He plays well. He outprices us and we can't afford to bring him back. He gets injured, we shy away because he's injured and we don't bring yeah. him back. So there, it really, I think what we'd have to have is, is we would have to have um, a ton more money, which is probably not going to happen with the salary cap. And of course, you have Ken on the podcast who will tell you all about it. The yes. salary cap for the first time in history could be lower based yeah. on what's going on with COVID. So we might not even be able to afford him anyway. And that's the first thing that we should look at. So it really depends on his value, whether he's injured or whether he plays well. Because like we saw, and we talked about the Seahawks at the top of the podcast, is you want to keep these dynasties around and, this, and we're building a really strong defensive core. But we've also spent an awful lot of money. Yeah. So 
we might not be able to afford to keep him around. So if, and it'd be a shame, wouldn't it, if we had some sort of Seahawksian, yes, I'm using the word Seahawksian, style <laughs> defense where we create this dominant backfield um, and defensive backs. Because let's face it as well, doesn't Mike Petton like to use these DBs creatively? I mean, these guys become sort of hybrid linebackers yep. at the line of scrimmage as well. So, he, you know, we need guys like him on the roster because it's not your standard defense anymore so it'd be shame to have him let go if he's doing a fantastic job but that might actually be out of our hands at the end of the day and you, I, I think you hit it on the head he's going to be the most fascinating player for me I think mm. you, you know you're talking about contract years now his name is starting to crop up like well you know if he plays well there you go he's a top cornerback at a you know at a premium or a, a top tiered player at a premium position those don't just yeah. grow on trees no. um, but then again he does have these blemishes um that could pop up it'll be very fascinating i'm rooting for him i love his size um when he's on he's dominant and i like how yeah. the phrase that you use the natural deterrent because the visual in my head mm. of if i was playing quarterback is just seeing this yeah. tall lanky defender that I feel could be the best corner in the league. And we're not even talking about another cornerback that could be the best cornerback in the league. And this is what Jerry Gray said about Jair Alexander. Quote, you've got a very young, energetic guy who made a lot of plays last year on a really good defense. Mm-hmm. When I look at Jai, there's your nickname right there. He reminds me a lot of Samari Roll when I had Samari in Tennessee. They weren't really big guys, but they were physical. They got really great covered cover skills and an excellent ability to see. A lot of times, guys don't have that vision to see the quarterback and the receiver at the same time. D'Angelo mm-hmm. Hall had that. When you got guys who have that type of skill, that's a big plus. And so talking yeah. about Jair Alexander, according to Pro Football Focus, was the second best, had the second best forced incompletion percentage among cornerbacks with at least 90 targets. He's that guy. He's scrappy. Uh, mm-hmm. The one play that comes to mind this past season is the the welcome to the NFL moment for Noah Font, who got a who caught a pass and mm. then just saw Jair Alexander and thought, ah, you know, I'm just gonna plow my way through this guy. And here Jair yeah. Alexander comes in and just plucks this football out. And I have a picture. I slowed down the film to just see Noah Font's expression. And it really <laughs> is just a welcome to the NFL expression of like, how the heck did he do that? Mm. And I love Jairo so much because he plays in a way that I haven't seen a lot of. And you couple that with a Darnell Savage. You couple that mm. with the physicality of Kevin King. And you can have, like what you said in Seattle, this legion of boom with Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, and Cam Chancellor. It really excites me. But what's your take on Jair Alexander, who just turned 23 years old um, this past February and is entering his third year? Exactly that. I mean, as you just mentioned, he's young. Um, he's adaptable in the sense and you put him with Jerry Gray and this is a guy and especially when your coach comes out in the media and name drops you as Jai and starts talking about how he likes your game um, you know you have the PFF stats there about how good he is in zone coverage um, and just Jerry Gray's words are the fact that he really gets it. What I always have to remind myself as a podcast host and remind listeners as well of just how little we actually know about the inner workings <laughs> of a team. So we think a team has done this for this reason and that reason and that player is trash and this player is whatever. But when you have real football men come out and talk about real football players and give you that quality insight into why they like that player. Because we like Jair because he has that swagger, right? And he's yeah. tough on the field. And as you said, he's he's punching the ball out 
good on tight ends and he's not scared of contact and everything else. You know, in recent past, we've put an awful lot of draft capital into cornerbacks. We've tried to convert safeties into <laughs> cornerbacks and seen them go off to different teams and become Twitter famous. So like <laughs> to have a guy who, uh, I think we all know what I'm talking about there. So I think we have, we have a guy who is tenacious, a bit on the smaller side, but uses that smallness, let's say. And this is from a guy who is vertically challenged also, has kind Likewise. of uh, that, that chip on his shoulder to get out there and get after it. Um, there's a lot to be said for it, especially in this scheme that Petten runs, where you know he's going to be asked to do an awful lot of very difficult things. And of course, because of his size, and by who he's going to be marking, you'd expect him to be roaming around in the slot an awful lot, which is one of the most difficult places to play as well. But as I say, he's one piece of a very big puzzle. And if we can get that pressure up front and King can continue to make that advancement, well, then it should give Jair more freedom to play in that zonal scheme and to, to get more purchase. But um, yeah, I think his sort of rawness will be sort of rounded off I think by Jerry Gray and I'd expect to see an even more rejuvenated Jair um, coming into the season if we see any NFL this season. Right, right. There's that caveat for sure and that's why I think Jerry Gray was the biggest acquisition. When mm. when they signed him, I was legit giddy. And yeah. you know, granted, I you know, I talk to people around my neighborhood about the Packers and they'll they'll say like, Oh, you know, I, I tune in and I checked out um your podcast and bless them. I love them. But I'm walking my dog and, and they'll corner me and they're like, Hey, I listen to this. This is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. This is gonna be yeah. exciting. The thing that really excites me is that I don't think anyone's talking about Jerry Gray. And so mm. I'll, I'll sprinkle that in. Be like, hey, what do you think about the Jerry Gray signing? And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to bash or make fun of anyone. I just think that like we're so gravitated towards the big splashes of free agency mm. and like we did last year. I think when it's all said and done, and then if we do have a season, we're going to look back and Jerry Gray was that signing that yeah. rather than external acquisitions, it's internal acquisitions of you know, letting go of Elvis Witted and uh, promoting Jason Vrabel. Mm. Luke Getze getting another title as passing game coordinator. Let's see how that what that works out with Lafleur and his little sprinkles in year two. And now you have Jerry Gray. And I'm glad that you were on the same page here. And I'm definitely going to key in on that secondary. And as we get closer and closer, I don't want this episode to end. I'm having an absolute blast. But we do have to have the episode end sooner rather than later. Or or later, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> Nebels gets, gets a little uh, sweat palms a little bit and uh, freaks out about having six seven hours of editing. I kid, <laughs> but as we wrap up the secondary portion, I'm curious. Say for example, knock on wood, something happens, mm. and we're looking at the depth of the cornerback position. Chandon Sullivan, like you mentioned where when there's one article published or one tweet, everyone tweets out about mm. Shannon Sullivan. Here's a guy that was released by Philadelphia as an undrafted free agent, came in and made some big-time splashes in, in the preseason, mm. and that carried on over to the regular season. Here's a guy that I think could really challenge Josh Jackson, former second-round draft pick in 2018. Got Kadar Holman, second-year guy, sixth-round draft pick out of Toledo from last year, who also made some splashes in, in the preseason how do you look at the secondary outside of Jair Alexander and Kevin King? Yeah, it's it's hard to know, isn't it? Especially when people are getting carried away with the undrafted free agents too. Because I say, I say it on the podcast every year, every single year you will get 
about five long form articles about why the game you why the person you didn't know about you should know about it's that player yeah. of like oh you don't know him he was undrafted and uh, you know he was working in a, a post office before he got a job <laughs> with the team but here's why you need to know about posty you know whatever so the thing is is that like there's always these players and I did a breakdown because people were freaking out about the fact that we didn't draft a wide receiver in the first round. And so even before we went into the draft, I brought, I did a whole podcast breakdown about why you can't put stock in top-tier draft picks and who the leaders over time were. And there was, a, there was an exceptional amount of undrafted free agents in there at wide receiver and at every position. So we were right to be excited and to be hopeful for undrafted free agents and the sort of guys that you don't really know down the depth chart. Um, but what I would say is, is that there's a caveat there not to get too carried away because I'm always shocked by looking at the scouting reports of the sixth round, seventh round draft picks and the undrafted guys. And they always break records in their school, don't they? Yeah. You look at yeah. it and you're like, oh, this guy, you know, found the cure for, you know, polio back in the day. And also, <laughs> and you're like going, oh my God, this guy sounds incredible. So, and then you see them hit the NFL and the standard is so much higher. Yeah. Do I have faith in the depth chart behind, uh, you know, the, the sort of known names? Um, I don't know. I've no idea. But as you said, the one guy that does stand out for me is Shandon Sullivan. Um, he was hyped up by PFF, you know, in the last couple of days. I think they, they brought out a, a thing saying he'd 14 uh, targets his way, two receptions only, yeah. and 39.6 passer rating in the NFC North. That's fantastic. Peter Bukowski came out and said that he had six pass breakups, one interception. He was graded 22nd. Um a corner by PFF when he's 20 in coverage. That's all really, really promising. And so let's all start getting Sullivan jerseys. However, yeah. uh, let's look at how much time he actually played. He yeah. played less than, you know, 40%. I think it was 33 point something percent um, of the defensive total. So at the same time that we're hopeful, it's a small sample size. It's reassuring for a number of reasons. One, he'd no accepted penalties. So he's a, obviously a disciplined guy. Out of his 28 tackles, 26 of them were solo. What does that mean? Was he put in a position where he was on his own and had to make the tackle? Or did he get to that player before anybody else? Let's go back and look at the game tape. So with players like him, I'm excited about Kadar Holman, again, as a player that I see gets a sort of bantied around an awful lot. But again, he's sort of a you know, special teamer. Didn't yeah. get a whole lot on um, defense, if basically anything at all. Um, a low draft pick. People are very high on him for some reason. But we have to make sure that we don't fall into something that happens from time to time. And I have been absolutely guilty of it. And that's becoming a Packers hipster. Okay, we all fall in to the thing of where we grab onto Kadar Holman and say, do you know what? He's my go-to guy. And that's a yep. problem. I did it with Justin Perillo. Now, I will say oh, Justin, no. <laughs> Justin Perillo, right, is probably one of the best tight ends in Packers history that never got... Uh, I keep I keep trying to refer to him as Iris and call him Justin O'Perillo just to sort of have some fame, <laughs> claim to fame. A guy who was almost, he was a king of preseason, but he never hung around. The problem with sort of hooking on to guys that we don't have a large sample size is is sometimes preseason looks great. Sometimes the reports from the beat writers look fantastic in preseason, but we really don't know what we have until we have to come up against it because. How great did we all think Brett Hundley was going to be? And how great did, did McCarthy believe Brett Hundley was going to be? Yeah. But And, you know, he was coming out in preseason and he was getting all of these uh, accolades about like, oh, he was the best quarterback in preseason and everything else. But when it came to the clutch time, we all saw what happened there. Now, he's got yeah. a big payday, bigger than Cam Newton, even, uh, to where he's gone off to play. But I think 
we have to be very careful about a how we hype these players up um and also really critically look and also sort of content creators we can get carried away with ourselves can't we um so oh, it's, sure. it's trying to look into the background of all these players and hold their breath that a something doesn't happen uh, and if it does happen that he can step up like he did step up because i've heard his season been referred to as a breakout season and I would yep. agree with it because he's, his stats and his, his passer rating was fantastic. And he believes in himself because he's retweeting this stuff and saying all I asked for was a chance. Yep. And that's very noble. And I'm rooting for the guy and I want him to do well. Um, but again, do we know what's going to happen? No. Do we know what's going to happen with the Kevin King situation? No, we don't know that either. But God damn it, it's exciting to talk about. <laughs> I know. And the two things that I wanted to mention too were one, the, the Packers hipster. I, I think that is another... So you had... You had canine blackmail, and now you've got Packers hipster. <laughs> that uh, is my takeaway. And I didn't think that Justin Perillo was going to get a name drop on our episode. So it's there the little go. things that yeah. you're unaware of. But the, the the second thing, too, is that reckless abandonment that I talked about mm. in, in pre-production with you, and I mentioned it a little bit in this episode, is um, that's gone. You know, I no matter what now, especially I would say within the, like the last year, mm. everything is researched and analyzed. And I... I I refrain from giving my own opinion because mm. a lot of times it's completely wrong. We don't know the inner workings of what's going on in practice. We don't know the conversations. We can prognosticate. We can speculate. But at the end of the day, we don't know. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is the very sexy thing to do of like, hey, I tweeted this player out. Like, I saw Shannon Sullivan first. He, he's my guy. And I mm. think that's what we do is that we want the mohawk. We want the blue dyed hair. We want the, the pirate earrings. <laughs> Because no one else is, because we want, you know, we want to be recognized. We want that moment. Mm. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I see it all the time. It's more comical for me because I definitely did that. I'd love to go back to my first couple episodes of doing the podcast mm. and all the asinine things that I said. Actually, I we should probably do that. We'll probably lose our listener and our supporting fan base <laughs> for going back and highlighting all these horrible takes. But with that said, as we wrap up, Steve Diddy NFL on tap. We are going to talk a little bit of the undrafted free agents. I wanted to mention a few players just for fans to to keep an eye on. Again, we have no idea what's going to happen. It's really, really hard to turn into uh, Sam Shields, who's an mm. undrafted free agent wide receiver co- converted into a cornerback, yeah. who was so instrumental in our Super Bowl run. Also, uh, Tremont Williams, another guy, undrafted free agent. But here's some guys that I wanted to talk to you about that have gotten... They're the only three cornerbacks that were undrafted free agents. You have Mark Antoine DeCoy out of mm-hmm. Montreal. You have Stanley Samuels out of Florida State. And you have Will Sunderland, cornerback out of Troy. All three are cornerbacks. Just give me your take. Anything that excites you? I'm not trying to bring out the Packers hipster in you if it's if it's <laughs> there. But uh, I'm curious. You know, I look at uh, DeCoy out of Montreal, um, mm. who's 6'3", 198 pounds, uh, he ran a 4.36 in the 40-yard dash. He finished 11 career interceptions and had four touchdowns. He also was invited to the East-West Shrine game, hmm. intercepted three passes, and produced 37 and a half tackles for the University of Montreal Carabins, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, in 2019. Again, there's not a lot of tape, but man, he's got the golden locks. You talk about your long hair. <laughs> he's got it too. Yeah, well, I think that's the only way we can assess him is based on his hairstyle. I mean, it's just, <laughs> see, this is what happens. I mean, yeah, look, again, I will always defer um, sort of college tape 
and all of that stuff. Um, because, for instance, there's players that I've loved that I've seen. Uh, Cooper Cup was one of them, and I saw him dominate. But the criticism there was is that he went to a smaller school. He didn't have as good competition. You know, people look at these, um, you know, Shrine games and they see performances there. And if you do well there against better competition, then happy days. Um, yeah, I, I know Samuel's like he's got a massive um, repu- reputation. He's seen as kind of the steal of of the whole draft right. um, entirely. Sunderland, I don't know a whole lot about. Again, there's so many long forms about why we shouldn't know about him. Uh, Mark Antoine Decoy, he interests me, and I got sucked into the hype with him because of his size, uh, as you said, because of his and speed. The hair. And the hair, obviously. Uh, you know, COVID-19 <laughs> has had me having almost a man bun now at this stage, right? Um, All right, t- me it's too. It's tickling my shoulders. Um, <laughs> and again, I cut the kids' hair, so I have clippers, but I just, you know, I didn't want to do that to myself because it will only come out one way. Um, so, and again, that, that time you mentioned that 4.36 or 4.35, 40, he ran that with bronchitis. So the oh, fact that he dang, was able to I didn't run know it, that. Yeah, so apparently this guy works off adrenaline and I've seen stories where, you know, he... he what 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 was the I'm trying to look at all the tropey phrases one of them was is he uh, excels under the spotlight yes that's fantastic and like you just said you know he was the first player in school history with a record this that and the other this is what I'm talking about you look at yep. these players and they're fantastic aren't they and they look great on paper like for him he was just a second player in school history in the University of Montreal to hold a pro day um, and you know and that's where he <laughs> set all of these speeds so this is the thing I look at him and I'm like okay he's brilliant but again BJ Raji could outrun me. I mean, that was that's that's what we're looking at here. These guys are freakish athletes. They might not look like it, and these big old linemen, but they're monsters. So, and all of these guys are monsters, but we just don't know how that's going to translate to the game. I do think, though, the reason that Packers fans and the likes of yourself and myself, um, we look at these undrafted free agents is because we're looking for the next Shields, aren't we? And we see yeah. that the success that they've had. But I've always wondered, it like was that success? because of who we had coaching the the cornerbacks at that time. I mean, I look at oh, offensive line play and I go, you know, we were able to just, you know, take Sitton and Lang out and we were able to yeah. pop in Taylor and and now with Elton Jenkins and everything else. And I always said, oh, was that because of James Campen? Because people thought yeah. highly of him. But now we see Elton Jenkins come in and do his thing and I'm like, like what what's going on behind the scenes there? Is it the player? Is it the circumstance? Is it the quarterback that gives them time? I, you know, you, you really don't know um, what the situation is behind it all. I'm excited because of how high people have these players like Mark antoine Decoy. But again, I'm going to defer and say, uh, I just don't, uh, there's not enough tape on these fellas. And even if they start to kill it in the preseason um, or training camp or whatever, and they will do, and there will be stories out there on them, uh, wait till he gets on the field, you know, who knows next July when they move the yeah. season and see how he plays then um, but yeah because there's so much hype around them and I just think especially to an undrafted guy sometimes it's a little bit unfair uh, to throw him out there in the spotlight too early um, because I, you know look at Hard Knocks isn't there a guy on Hard Knocks every year where you're like oh this is yeah. a guy you know he's and you're really rooting <laughs> for him and he's such a nice family story and it turns out he's not that good <laughs> you know what I mean he gets released <laughs> oh well <laughs> I like that. I mean, again, I like that you mentioned that, and I, I say it every episode that we have a guest on. That I there are all, all these different takeaways and canine blackmail and Packers <laughs> hipster and Justin Perillo, and now also the undrafted free agents. And that's you know, before the podcast even, I got into preseason because I, like you said, maybe there was a a part of me, this hipster part of me, that was looking for that next Sam Shields and to talk about it. Oh, yeah. The one thing I want to mention with the undrafted free agents that is 
that I really gravitate towards specifically with the cornerbacks is the size. Um, mm. You've got 6'3 with Mark uh, Antoine DeCoy. you got 6'1 with Stanley Samuels. And you got 6'2 with Will Sunderland. And now with the hiring of Jerry Gray and, you know, his expertise and his acumen, I'm really curious to see what happens if we do have another, you know, diamond in the rough, if you will. But history shows that that's really hard to do. Mm. And I love the phrase where you said all of these guys are athletes. All of these guys were the best player at their high school, their middle school and in college. But the NFL is a different game. And that's a huge takeaway for me. And it grounds me a little bit more as I can't believe I'm saying this as we wrap up. Steve Diddy NFL on tap. This was an utter joy to have you on, to talk to you, watching Packers life, seeing your energy, your personality. I could tell that was infectious, but then talking to you, connecting with you, it's been an absolute pleasure. Look forward to talking to you more about the Green Bay Packers and connecting on a newfound friendship and bromance uh, that you coined. (laughs) Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners, our fans, our supporters where they can find you, uh, when your episodes release, where your content is available? Sure, yeah. So at NFL on Twitter, at the Paddy Packer, I know, um, on Instagram, <laughs> if they're that way inclined, uh, even though I give out about when people call us Paddies. Uh, but there you go. Uh, it's all branding at the end of the day. So and then, of course, uh, the group account, which is at UK Packers on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter as well. And the website www.ukpackers.co.uk podcast episodes. If you want to listen to me talk ad nauseum, uh, they're out every Sunday, Monday. And also there's a 10 minute Tuesday YouTube video that we do as well. And we also also do a monthly raffle which is coming up for signed merchandise uh, so yes. that's going to be on the youtube channel as well which is youtube.com forward slash uk packers awesome well thank you so much for coming on for your own episode steedity nfl on tap any last words before we wrap up our latest guest episode i think people have heard enough from me i think they're going to <laughs> they want me to leave the studio so no it's fine all right looking forward to collaborating with you more uh thank you yet again Go Pack Go! I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go! This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined.